0: Welcome to DLC Live, your source for educational and inspirational interviews with mental health experts and advocates from around the world. Now, here's your host, creator of the DLC Anxiety Worldwide Mental Health Community, Dean Stott. Hello everyone, welcome to this evening's Live, which is a fantastic Live with the wonderful queen of ERP, uh, Kimberly Quinlan. You may know her from the recovery room, lovely lady, genuine, down-to-earth American or Australian. In fact, I, I, I kind of get confused uh, with the accent, but we'll go with Australian. Um, I can see Kim's in the chat now, so I'm going to grab her and get her on stage. So it's going to be a uh, talk about gaining back control from anxiety, being able to do the things that we used to do before we were anxious. So we're going to talk with Kim. I'm I cracking do. up at
1: your introduction. <laughs> Did you
0: like the introduction? Yeah?
1: <laughs> I do. I am as confused as you are.
0: I know there's just like an Australian-American like t- uh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's pleasurable though. It is really <laughs> pleasurable on the ear. So I'm not I'm not complaining.
1: <laughs> oh, it's very it is. It's very confusing for my children as well.
0: Kim, um, we're on the live today because um, we want to speak about how to gain back control from anxiety and the training that you provide to help people to do this, uh, which mm-hmm. is the ERP training. Um, a lot of people, um, especially when I first started speaking about this, didn't really know what the term EIP, ERP stood for. And they were also a little bit confused. Is it just for people who are dealing with OCD or can anybody with any anxiety disorder um, get stuck into ERP? So can we just start from the basics and just let people know what ERP is and who it will be beneficial for?
1: Sure. So ERP is exposure and response prevention. So, So think of it through the lens of originally cognitive behavioral therapy was just correcting thoughts. And they found that that wasn't super helpful for some people with anxiety and that they also needed to change behaviors, which is when they brought in the behavioral part of treatment. And then they also found that some people um, changing behaviors wasn't actually enough, that facing the fear right in the eyes is actually the best way to get as much out of treatment. And so they created exposure and response prevention, which is where we face our fears and we resist compulsions. So there has to be some compulsions involved for ERP to work, but a compulsions can be physical or mental. So we can use it with health anxiety, OCD, social anxiety. Um, we could use it with specific phobias like vomit phobias or needle phobias. Um, these are the main, we could also use it with panic disorder. Um, mm-hmm. I, the, the gold standard of OCD, and that's my main specialty. We 100% use it. With all of that. Yeah, energy.
0: I was just thinking then going through panic disorder, so dealing with four, four panic um, attacks a day um, at the worst case scenario and dealing with them in specific places, ERP would be wonderful for, for that, yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because we want to expose to the fear and we want to resist doing compulsions. Both have to be there for the correct treatment.
0: Um, So saying that, knowing that it can treat uh, and manage and and educate people with all different types of anxiety disorders, is there any limitation? So is there anybody that you would say, hey, well, maybe ERP is not the right way for you to go?
1: Um, Well, with general, with generalized anxiety, I mean, any anxiety disorder, including eating disorders can use ERP. But the degree in which we use more cognitive approaches like generalized anxiety, you would want to make sure you're doing more of that cognitive piece. Um, so so that's an important, I mean, anyone can use it. The training that I created is specifically for OCD and health anxiety and phobias. Um, but you could apply, in general, you can apply ERP to life, right? Anyone, even people without major anxiety could be practicing um, you know, facing fear. We we all need to be able to do this.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. And for people who are just asking um about the topic. So the link is in the bio guys if you want to look more into Kim's ERP training. Um it's yeah, it's just really good that I, that you're putting this service out there, Kim, for people um, who may not be able to afford the, the, the standard therapy, especially in America? I know it's different over there to, to here in the UK, where we, we definitely have our limitations as well. But I believe that you're filling a, re- a market gap that, that needs to be filled mm. and reaching out to more people um, to get the education they need to kickstart the recovery.
1: Right. So just a backstory is I have a private practice and I have nine therapists and and we're still having to turn people away because they live out of the state or out of the country, or they simply can't afford weekly therapy. Mm -hmm. So that's why we created this training. It's not therapy, but it shows you exactly what I would do with my patients if I saw you face to face. Just yesterday, I interviewed someone on my podcast about how she found ERP school the training she took it she followed everything she said she set it up where she went to work she came home for an hour she dedicated to doing her erp practices and she said it just changed her life so for me to have that sort of just hear that story just is it that that's exactly Mm -hmm. why we created it she didn't have the money for therapy so this was the best alternative
0: yeah, that's an incredible testimonial. And when's that live? Because we'll have to share it with uh, the DLC community as well. So yeah, comes...
1: I think it'll be at early November.
0: Fantastic. And um, just let us know, of course, of the time. Um, Kim, so is it best guided by a, uh, by a therapist? So why? Why do you think people should come over to yourself? Do you think it's because I'm not trying to say for you to say, well, I'm the best at doing this, but do you think it's important for someone to go to a trusted therapist who, like you say, treats patients on a daily basis and has the structure uh, and training and education uh, behind everything? Uh, Do you think, do you think that's important when when choosing uh, courses online?
1: Yes. So here is my basic advice to anybody is if you have OCD or health anxiety or a phobia, really just make sure you find an ERP therapist, right? it, it you, it's be, The best thing you can do is to make sure you get that ERP therapist. If you can't get an ERP therapist and you've asked your therapist, you know, do you treat using ERP? These kinds of courses are there to help supplement your treatment or to give you everything you need now the i the reason I so love teaching this course is i've had an opportunity to treat all the subtypes of o c d like there's there, there's at this point i'll honestly say there's not an o c d subtype that I haven't had dozens of clients so i i the whole point of the the training is ultimately to normalize that as well, like a lot of times during the the training i'm saying this is it's so common you're not alone like we've seen this all the time so I'm trying to make sure that the person taking the training gets a feeling like this is actually not as 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 ice they're not as isolated as they think they are this is actually very common so that's the sort of benefit of going with somebody who has a lot of training they've kind of seen it all
0: and I think with anxiety disorders what you just touched on then is it's so important because when you're going through an anxiety disorder, you really do feel isolated. You, you, mm. you, couldn't, you, you wouldn't think that anybody else was going through this, these horrible feelings, these horrible limitations to, to your everyday living. And it's hard for, for people to um, connect with others and speak up about it. And it's a reason why a lot of people tend to not speak up about it, because they don't realize how common it is. Yeah. So, I, like you said, for people to know um, how common it is, it's just so empowering, isn't it? Right, and, and it that re- we
1: won't, and that we won't be shocked or offended by the yeah. obsession, right?
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Just going back to the training, Kim. Um, for any, everyone that's uh, interested, do you have like a breakdown of, of what um, it entails? Each section in it, mm-hmm. um, just so I get like a little summary.
1: Right. So for everybody watching, I'll I'll tell you the summary and then you'll kind of know exactly what therapy should look like too because I do it in the same order. So basically we start with a lot of every therapy that uses CBT should always start with a ton of psychoeducation and that's the front part. What it is what ERP is for, the science behind it, why it's important to practice it. So we put that right at the front, just like any good therapist would. Then what we want to do is we want to do an inventory of specifically what obsessions you have and what compulsions you have. And that's why those, it's important to separate. So we go through and if you're taking the training, you'll identify what are the specific obsessions that keep me stuck in the cycle. Then you go through and there's worksheets. What are the specific compulsions that feed me back into having this cycle of, of, you know, obsession, compulsion, obsession, compulsion. Once we've identified those, then we walk through the different types of exposures because there are more than one, right? Mm -hmm. We could do interoceptive exposures, which is where you expose yourself to physical sensations. We do imaginal exposures where we write our fear, worst fear coming true. We just, fully redid that section it's actually three times longer than it used to be because so many people had so many questions about that then you can also do flooding exposures and creative exposures so and and physical exposures like touching the thing that you're afraid of and 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 so forth and then the final piece is addressing the troubleshooting right so what are the common issues people have every time um i used to relaunch this course which was twice a year I would take every question we got and add to the troubleshooting. It just keeps getting longer and longer because so many people were troubleshooting the same issues. And so that's the structure of what therapy would be. And that's also the structure of the training.
0: No, that's a really informative, Kim. And just going back to what you say, a good therapist should always start with psychoeducation, uh, which is really important. And like you say, be trained in ERP, especially if it's these um, anxiety disorders that we mentioned before. Um, I have had people in the community um, before say that they've gone to therapists who say that they're specialized in something only to find out that they're not and they receive uh, inadequate care. Is there any anything that um, you would be able to say to someone who's um, like looking around for the right therapist, any red flags uh, regarding that? Because um, have you heard of that happening, for example?
1: Oh, all the time. Again, it's it's a part of the reason why I created these trainings is because The average amount of time it takes for someone to get to the correct treatment, particularly for OCD, is between 7 and 14 years. That's a horrible statistic. Horrible. So the number one thing you want to look out for is, are they using terminology like ERP, right? Because a lot of people say, I treat OCD. But you can say that you need to be using ERP to to be able to properly treat it. The second thing is, and this is a big part of me training my staff because I have a lot of staff that I train, is are you spending a lot of time in the session just going around and around and around the obsession? If that's the case, you're not doing the exposure work. In fact, you're probably doing compulsions in session and making it worse. So that's a huge part of like a red flag, right? Are you actually practicing not engaging in the thoughts and the feelings and the obsession? Are you practicing facing that fear or are you just going over it and over it and trying to solve it and trying to solve it? The thing to remember is these disorders are best treated by practicing being uncertain. If therapy is like not emulating that, then it's probably not the right treatment. Um, The only last thing I'll say is make sure you have a licensed or a pre-licensed therapist. You know, coaches are fine as long as they're working underneath a therapist. Mm. Um, A coach in and of itself is not, not the way to go.
0: No, and uh, you did a, a great live on that, didn't you, not long ago? Yeah. Just saying that there is spaces for, for trained coaches uh, with with people with anxiety disorders, but it shouldn't be the main uh, focus on, on treatment and there's yeah. a place for them. And I know that you said that you you actually get benefit from coaches yourself.
1: Yeah, but, but we're not working on things that are diagnosable, right? We're working okay. on business fitness your mindset but we're not we're not talking about anything that has a diagnosis like anxiety ocd disorder and we want to stay away from those in coaching
0: no that's wonderful right Kim? i'm gonna go into some of the questions that people have asked um (laughs) unfortunately like when I'm trying to look at the questions on my computer for some reason it's so minuscule so you're gonna have to bear bear with me a second I'm
1: fine um oh my word while Um. you're looking but I'll add one thing yes which is I'm a huge advocate for making sure this is a safe shame-free compassion-filled process so we talk a lot during training and in treatment about doing it in a gentle way. We don't want our patients beating themselves up because they already beat themselves up enough. So that's a huge part of the work as well.
0: I just saw a great question though, Kim. I don't know if you want to tackle that one. Why do therapists dismiss the nutrition part since our gut is our second brain?
1: Mm. This is such a great question. Let me share with you the pros and the cons of this. So When it comes to treating anxiety, um, again, we always want to be practicing, you know, diffusing from thoughts and being mindful and being uncertain. Sometimes when people um, focus on nutrition, that can sometimes become a part of the disorder. In fact, that was the case for me, right? What was an anxiety disorder? became an eating disorder because I was putting all my attention on trying to control my anxiety using food um, and, and my emotions and my feelings using food. So we, we be a, we're very careful around that because there is a massive overlap between anxiety and eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of us doing pr- precautionary work. However, I think any good clinician, will make space for other modalities. It's just that that can't be the the main piece of the work. And we want to catch, and this is true for all modalities that are additional, including simple ones like mindfulness, is we just want just to make sure that that additional modality doesn't become a compulsion, which it sometimes mm. can. Um, yeah. OCD- and Sorry, I've, never,
0: I've, I've never come across a therapist who said, um someone who say has a high intake of sugar, so we know they're getting a big rush and then a, a dump of a, an emotion that having a healthy balanced diet isn't isn't good for your overall well being What you're right. saying, Kim, is when you're targeting o c d for example, you wouldn't be looking at nutrition as the gold standard treatment to overcome yeah. o c d yeah yeah
1: yeah, and i think and I think again if you can bring in a dietitian alongside your ERP work and everyone's working together, mm. I think that that's wonderful. I really do. I, I, I don't think that most people would disregard it. I think people are just protective of where it can spread into more compulsive behaviours.
0: No, that's wonderful. That's a great answer, Kim. Um, I can see one of the questions which was, can ERP help with depression? So, there is a lot of people in the community who deal with anxiety and depression. So, yeah, if somebody's dealing with, say, depression as the main um, condition that they're going through, is ERP something they could look into or not?
1: They could look into it, but scientifically, it's not going to be their best treatment option, right? It could be a part of the treatment, but depression is better treated with more basic cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Which is where we challenge errors in thinking and we engage in behavioral activation. A lot of times with people with depression, there is some behavior changes that need to happen, but not in the form of exposing them. Yes, we're exposing them to better behaviors, but not in the way that we would with a fear or a phobia like OCD and so forth. Um, so I would, I would better, I would better direct you to a more of a cognitive based um, treatment or a cognitive behavioral based treatment. Um, that would be my suggestion clinically mm. and scientifically.
0: Yeah, and while you say, if you just think about it um, from a logistical point of view. Uh, depression. You could have feelings of hopelessness. Well, you're not going to um, expose someone to to them feelings, and I, I don't even think there's a way of creating that, is there? So, um, I do agree with you. Having having all these different tools is definitely the best way, and especially having a multidisciplinary team as well. So, I know that you work with uh, GP practitioners as well as um, psychologists, psych- uh, psychiatrists, and like you say, coaches. Um, that multidisciplinary approach and nutritionist you mentioned that multidisciplinary approach is is really the ideal way I think going forward but it's often um, a lot easier said than actually done isn't it
1: yeah well you're looking at a lot of money you're looking at a lot of time Um, and unfortunately you've got to have a team that works together so I know for me I have, I've worked really hard to weed out the good and the bad, right? And it takes some time. And so that it's, it's, you know, you're lucky if you get to to have these wonderful systems that work together. But it's possible. It's just a matter of, you know, finding people that line up with your values, and who are motivated and well trained, um, and going from there, there are many resources, I think it's just a matter of, you know, making sure you follow the science.
0: Um, So one of the questions I can see as well, Kim, is um, does ERP help uh, with someone who's scared of derealization and depersonalization? And if so, how does it help?
1: Sure. So ERP for derealization, and in fact, I see a lot of derealization and depersonalization. So what we would do is we would stay with me here we would purposely expose you to the experience of derealization or depersonalization we might spin you in a chair we might have you look at blurry youtube videos like (laughs) psychedelic things put lights up we might have you you know look at a screen really close and then spin around and so forth so that's the exposure part so we simulate the sensations and then we have you The response prevention is to go back and engage with life without trying to make it go away, without trying to change it, and actually trying to be really gentle and and compassionate while you go about your day. Um, We have found so much success with this. I've had so many clients who were totally controlled by their derealization and depersonalization. And by doing this, they actually now, they may have it here and there, but it doesn't bother them if they do they're just like oh it's a bummer but it's here again but they can live a life fully functioning
0: do you deal with the response side during the actual experience so when you're uh simulating the um the derealization dere- would you deal with the response side then so when it's someone who's scared of the symptoms they may Um, white knuckle or they may try and avoid that is there something that you can do to help them like just go through the feeling
1: yeah so the i mean look we're mostly online now so we would have them do the exposure and then i'd say with them say to them okay now i want you to like if we're on the computer i'll say what do you need to do today oh i really needed to write this email okay while you have these sensations i want you to practice writing the email or putting the clothes in the dryer or whatever it is that you need to do. And I want you just to engage with whatever sensations that are happening, what sounds you hear. And if you notice any shifts of trying to control the symptoms, I want you to practice, just like you would practice doing push-ups. I want you to practice strengthening your ability just to bring it on back to the present, right? And that is a game changer. In session, um, they can always check in and be like, struggling with this one area and we can troubleshoot that but in erp school um, we do talk about like common struggles with response prevention we have a whole module on mindfulness to help with that
0: that's really interesting and like you say i can see how that really is a game changer when you start to realize start to learn that when you're dealing with these symptoms, it doesn't mean that anything bad is going to happen. And, and nine, 9.5 out of 10 times, you can continue to do whatever you were doing. So what lot right. of people say, just for example, driving. If I get derealization uh, while I'm driving, um, can I continue to drive? Uh, what would your advice
1: be on that? I drive all the time derealize. I have a lot of derealization myself. Um, and it's exacerbated by a medical illness as well. So I used to always have it and now it's even worse, but I, I choose to drive. Now, the reason I do that is because I have full confidence that I can be mindful and stay attendant to the road. If someone's having derealization, but they're spending the whole time thinking about just the feeling and they're not paying attention to the road, well, that means even more you have to practice the response prevention so that you can get back on the road. It, it shouldn't impact you. I've had clients who I do driving exposure pre-COVID where they're full on 10 out of 10 panicking and we're flying down the freeway as we do it because we're practicing tolerating those feelings while they're driving.
0: I just saw a great uh, question there, Kim. Can LCD be a result of more anxiety from health conditions? How do you know if it's the chicken or the egg?
1: Yeah, so this is a great question. The main thing is we don't try and figure out whether it's the chicken or the egg, as frustrating (laughs) as that may seem is because once you do that now you're chasing a moving target right you're trying to figure things out the whole work with with these these disorders is to move away from that maladaptive behavior and instead practicing allowing the sensation and engaging in adaptive behaviours and having that be the focus. And allowing
0: the uncertainty as well, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. However, I will say, like I said, a part of normal first stage of treatment is psychoeducation, which is, yes, anxiety feels terrible. So when we have it and then we try to resist it, it does often make it worse, um, which now you are stuck in that cycle. But once you understand that, you can move towards, again, changing from maladaptive behaviors to adaptive behaviors and you're off and running
0: that's fantastic um people yeah keep it keep coming in with the questions in the live some really great questions and because i I really can't see the questions on my screen for some reason And um, so, whoever yeah, I do apologize, but we'll get Kim back on again and answer the question. So that's not a problem. But how would you do e- ERP um, regarding fear of catching COVID and keeping safe? Seems too risky. Great question. Absolutely. Really. Great question.
1: Listen, at the beginning of COVID, it was this was the ongoing question, right? Because people with OCD, particularly if they have health anxiety or contamination, we always said like go and use the handles and lick your fingers and we would be doing all these crazy fun exposures. But now we don't hold those same rules. What we do instead is we have the person, depending on what country they're living in, identify the whatever government encourage, like whatever the government's encouraging, the World Health Organization, the CDC. Mm-hmm. We have we follow those rules. But not a little not a second more than that. And that's the key point. So here is an example. At the beginning of COVID, they encouraged us to wash our hands, even after, you know, going grocery shopping, which we'd never have done. No. So we immediately moved to just following their rules. And when their rules change, we we would change with them. But what you'll find is with health Sorry, anxiety. Can just,
0: interrupt. just I just just had something in my mind just regarding that. How did that affect people who had washing hands as a compulsion? Did you see any any changes with that?
1: Uh, it was so painful for them. It was so painful because some were relieved, right, because now they got permission to do extra washing. Yeah. But many were more distressed because they now the rules had changed and they had identified what was and what was not OCD and they'd created a life and now all of these new, like, compulsions were showing up that they were being told to do. So it was very confusing. The first three months of COVID were just such chaos for people mm-hmm. with contamination and health anxiety and still continues to be, right? Um, the, the thing to remember though is what the rules have, when we're given a rule, the health anxiety and the, the um, contamination obsessions are going to always say, no, no, just do a little extra just mm-hmm. to be sure just to be sure do it do it at one more time and so now the work is to not engage in in responding to those obsessions and going nope that's what the rules are i'm just going to go with that the last thing i would say is it's also very much personal so i always say find somebody you trust and try to model what they're doing so if now we're starting to sort of reopen if the person you trust is going out for dinner with friends and so forth use them as your guide of what you're ready to do um, because now that every you know so many different countries have different rules um so it's it's finding what feels right to you based on your values not based on your fear
0: no definitely well i, I think that's great advice what you said about um finding the correct um information of what you should be doing so if the, at the start of the pandemic they said about washing um, after you've been to the grocery store, and just doing it the once, like they said, not doing it two, three, four <laughs> times, and it becoming excessive uh, and a compulsion to continue to do more because you okay. feel that you haven't done it thoroughly. So okay. I think that's great advice, Kim. Um, I just saw the someone ask: Is with ERP, is there a chance of relapse? And if it does occur, does that mean that you should steer to another type of therapy?
1: No. So so relapse is actually very common. In fact, what I would say is let's just normalize that with any mental struggle. You may or may not have a lapse, right? A lapse meaning it doesn't mean you're in full-blown, hit rock bottom, back at square one. What we're saying here is you would just go back and use the tools that were working. Sometimes our brain does get triggered. Um, it doesn't mean it didn't work this long-term recovery for OCD, for health anxiety, for phobias is not the absence of anxiety. It's actually the absence of compulsions, right? Mm. So what we want to do is even if you've had a trigger and your anxiety is returned, your main goal needs to go back to using those tools that reduce the compulsions that you're doing. And if you can do that, that's your life goal right that's the long-term recovery goal because the goal of not being triggered that's impossible everybody's going to be triggered here and there depending on if you're exhausted hormonal haven't been taking care of yourself a a random trigger just happens to show up out of nowhere like triggers do happen um but what and we can't control that but we can control how we respond to them
0: Yeah, I often hear that as um, a big fear of people who are coming to the end of an anxiety disorder where they can see recovery and then worry that they'll go back to the beginning, almost like a snakes and ladders thing where they start again from the beginning. And I think it's really important to reiterate that that's not the case. You're not the same person who didn't have the psychoeducation, who didn't have all the tools in place, to overcome it so if it does happen again you're in a much better place than you was at the start of it and i think that's really important to know
1: right and if you've done it once it's proof i will say often say to my clients is it's proof that you're a perfect candidate for this right like you've done it already you've already seen the benefit so it's just a matter of tweaking things back the same we do the same i think of it through the lens of health right is we take care of ourselves, we get exercise, we eat as well as we can, we get some sleep. If we our health isn't good, we don't just change that plan, we go back to that original plan that worked the first time, and ERP is the same.
0: Oh, that's, that's a really good um, response to it. Kim, um, I can see a lot of people mentioning medication. Now, can you do ERP if you're having, some people are saying they're having success with anxiety medication, which is fantastic, of course. Um, but can you do ERP as well to complement um, the medication or would you say it's just one or the other?
1: No. So a huge part of, of psychoeducation is understanding the stats, right? So the stats show that combining ERP with medication is the gold standard treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you had to choose between the two, the research shows that ERP will have a better, better outcome than medication alone but both is the sweet point. Does that mean that, you know, you won't get better without both? Absolutely not. I've had many dozens and dozens of clients who have, some of my most severe clients have gone through ERP without medication for personal reasons and still done very, very well. Was it a little harder without medication? Yes. But is it still doable? 100%.
0: Fantastic. Uh, just out of interest, um, you said about the, so if you're going down a singular route um, about the statistics, um, was there much difference in the uh, statistics that you saw?
1: Um, the the research shows that ERP is significantly, but that doesn't mean double, right? It okay. means it just was a significant, on the on the data, was significant enough to say that, you know, when it comes to statistics, they always require a, a significant to actually be real study and real research outcomes um so yes they did say it was statistically um, very much more significantly better
0: and regarding OCD what what's the reason that you think the medication with a combination of the therapy brings out the best results is there anything that you think that could pinpoint a reason as to why we're seeing
1: that Right. So I'm not, a, I'm not a medical doctor, just so everybody is clear. We understand that it has to do with serotonin, right? And most of the medication is an SSRI, which yeah. is impacting the serotonin. So what we do understand is through taking meds, it actually like metaphorically turns the volume down on thoughts, but it also decreases the, our, our struggle with inhibition control, which is that re- compulsion piece? So on these medications, you're you're. Some people will often say with OCD, like I feel like I have no control over my body. I have to do the compulsion, and the medication can reduce that inhibition control, um, so that you feel like you have a little more control over those compulsions. Um, however, let me also say is we do know that by doing the exposure, when we take a scan of the brain pre- and post-treatment, ERP actually naturally does that in the brain. We see the changes in the parts of the brain where inhibition control, um, you know, is is identified, and there is a massive change in that as well. So you can do it ERP-wise, but the medication does help.
0: That's fantastic. It'd be good. Have you seen um, the scans of either... ER, um, erp and medication combined versus just erp or medication versus ER. do they does that exist just out of interest
1: uh that's a good question i actually don't know the answer to that mm. i just read the uh, the written version but i don't know if they did the actual mri scan or the it's actually a pet scan um mm. that's a really good question i will look that up
0: fantastic um yeah i can everyone's just showing so much love for you someone just said um how do you Uh, deal with specific uh, triggers. So someone uh, mentioned about a fear of flying. So would ERP be good for someone who has like a common fear as well, isn't it? I think when you speak to a lot of people, I speak to a lot of friends and they use coping mechanisms of of drinking, for example, to be able to get on a flight and not think about it. Um, Would would it for common um, triggers like flying be beneficial? And how would yeah. you expose someone to the flying? Would you be buying the right. plane tickets for them
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did a whole podcast episode on this with my husband because my husband had a severe flight phobia um and we I we used e r p he had his own therapist, but I was very you can be sure i was up in this business making sure he used the rp um and basically what he did is he did exposures first by exposing himself to small small capsules like uh the train he took the train a bunch as the first exposure and other little shuttle buses were really triggering for him he did not like the cramped feeling um okay. you can also do exposures like sitting in a small box so then you work your way you can simulate it by doing you can you know virtual reality that's a really great option now too but the response prevention is not mentally ruminating it's not avoiding it's not checking for reassurance with people like you know when are the doors opening well where is it you know checking the watch and so forth and it's also just catching yourself when you're resisting your anxiety so erp very much works for flight 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 fears yeah
0: so when someone's on a plane because i i can relate to and we know kim i'm going on a plane soon and i'm very open about uh my flight anxiety something i've struggled with and even though i've had panic disorder and, and overcome it when i get on a plane i can get through it but it's uncomfortable and i have to deal and with that do you think um that there'll be a chance that one day I'll be able to get on a plane and be able to say concentrate on a movie because when I get on a plane I always con, I can't switch off from them feeling so I can't concentrate on something in front of me um and it's an automatic response that mere cat response of looking and just being in an uncomfortable state now I've learn to live with being in that uncomfortable state do you think that's the best response that i'll get
1: no so you i've had many clients here is a great example is i had a client who who was a pilot and got panic disorder on planes and quit his job um i've had several of those actually um with rep like this is the benefit of erp is with repeat repetitive exposure your brain will habituate and habituate means your brain basically gets bored and no longer sets that alarm off but it does require repetition right so you're gonna have a lot
0: of flights Kim I've been on a lot of flights
1: oh yeah but yeah and so okay so you have Mm -hmm. we should do a whole live on this because I love this topic yeah I think Um, should yeah so yes with repetition with continued response prevention but you could probably benefit by the repetition not just being on the airplane so lots of youtube videos about being is it being on the plane crashing or is it the 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 confinement
0: um yeah it would be being on the plane and ruminating on the fact that you're so high up and anything could happen and you'd yeah you'd um things wouldn't (laughs) end up very well so almost i um I often get told I'm almost trying to be the third pilot so looking at the flight data they are very common things but yeah yeah, I'm always envious of the people around me who seem to maybe they are having these feelings and it just looks like they're watching movies but I'm always wondering if one day I'll be able to get on there sit back and and watch a movie or am I just gonna have to yeah no 100%
1: believe you can. See, this is where I'm saying we could do a whole life because you're reporting lots of little nuanced, different compulsions that feed you back into the anxiety cycle. Like Mm -hmm. looking at looking, you know, for me, when I used to have slight anxiety, I would look at the, the air hostess and be watching her face to see whether she's freaking. Every time I did that was a compulsion and it would feed me back into the anxious loop. So it's, it would be, identifying all of the little nuanced behaviors and working at reducing those and then it would also be doing a lot of scripts about your worst fear coming true you would read them record them listen back to them over and over and then listen to them on the plane
0: listen to the the worst fears coming true
1: on the plane that's interesting
0: i can see more to people saying that they want us to get back on and speak about that yeah um, yeah uh, maybe we should do it before i go flying kim i maybe. think we should i think i agree i think it'd be good the, um, well, it's
1: yeah. so common fear i think yeah. people who don't you know it's so common yeah
0: people just saying i don't like flying because what if i want to get off and i can't yeah very 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 common uh yeah. kim yeah thank you so much for for all your answers regarding erp training the link is in my bio, um, so if you want to uh, go and see more about it or join, just click on the link and you can do it. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for coming aboard and spending, well, we've nearly been an hour, Kim. I was I was, I was, scheduled 20 minutes, but just speaking to you, the time just flies by. So, yeah, thank you for taking the time out. And, yeah, we'll we'll get back on and maybe speak about my fears of flying and then, uh, see what we can do. Huh?
1: Yeah, we can tackle it.
0: Yeah, fantastic.
1: All right. Have a wonderful right, take day.
0: Bye bye. Thank you, Bye-bye. everyone. You've been listening to DLC Live. Be sure to follow Dean on Instagram at DLC Anxiety. Check our website at dlcanxiety.com. And grab yourself a copy of our latest book, Greater Than Panic, on Amazon today. See you next time.